Let's flip to the, the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews chapter 11. I was going to look up the page number on the Pew Bible, but I didn't have a chance to. While you're flipping there, I figure we should just talk about maybe a little bit where we are. Now, Hebrews 11, some of you might know this chapter as what's known as the Hall of Faith, quote-unquote Hall of Faith. And so a lot of times what we'll do with this chapter is we'll take it right out of Hebrews and we'll say, this is a good chapter, so I'm going to take it right out of the context of where where it is. But when we get to a a book in the Bible, we want to make sure we're reading it in the context. So this, this book was written to, can anybody guess? Hebrews, right? So that's what it's, the name of it. It's, it's Hebrews. So it was, it was written to some Hebrews, some Jewish Christians, who were suffering persecution from, from either the Pharisees or from other Jewish religious leaders who were saying, you're Christians now, you're no good to us, you shouldn't be Christian, you should be Jew. And so they were suffering this persecution, and so they needed some encouragement. And so as you're reading the book of Hebrews, if you had a chance this week, like I did, I, I told last week, it, it talks about this up and down life that we live, all these things that are, that are motivating, what's motivating those Christians. And he, we come to this chapter, and this chapter is going to be a great encouragement, and I want it to be an encouragement to us today, an encouragement that we look at what is motivating us, what is behind our actions as we look at these men and women. And this series, I'm really looking forward to this series. And I'm going to tell you why. We're going to look at some really amazing men and women from the Old Testament who were motivated by invisible realities, motivated to do things that were great for God. And so today we're actually going to talk about Abel. So we're going to look here at, at chapter 11, verse 4, short verse. This is God's word. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which He was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. This is God's word, and may he always bless the reading of it. So we see in this verse two characters. We see two characters. First we see Abel, right? And then we see Cain. And some of you, maybe if you've grown up in church, you know who these people are. Maybe you just know from popular culture who these people are. Cain and Abel are the first set of brothers in the Bible. And so if you really do want to read more about Cain and Abel, you can, you can look at it in Genesis 4, chapter 4. The whole story is there, but for time's sake, we're not going to read it today. But I am going to tell you what happens in that story. So if you want to check, uh, fact check me, just go to Genesis 4, okay? So in this story, we see the beginning. God created all things in Genesis 1. And he put two people in the garden, Adam and Eve. And these two people uh, had direct contact with God. They had fellowship with God in the cool of the evenings, it says. They would walk with God. They would actually have face-to-face connection with God in the garden. It was an intimate relationship that they had with God. Until one day, motivated by maybe a, I don't know, maybe just a want to be like God, by pride. I, you know, it, it, there's a lot of things that we can say motivated Eve. But Eve disobeyed the one command that God had given. And that was to not eat of the, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And she disobeyed. And Adam, her husband with her, disobeyed this one commandment. And that in itself disconnected them from God. They could no longer be in God's presence. They could no longer be walking with him in the cool of the day. 
they had to be separated, be thrown out of the garden. So here's where we are. This is the context of the story. Adam and Eve thrown out of the garden, but God's not completely done with them. He makes a promise to them that through Eve's seed or through her lineage would come one that would be able to restore this relationship, to be able to restore face-to-face relationship with God. And then right after he promises that, he sacrifices two animals to make clothes for them, setting up this whole idea that we, we even see in the book of Hebrews that in order to pay for sin or in order to pay for something that was wrong against God, blood would have to be shed. And so then we come to the story of Cain and Abel. And Cain, Adam and Eve, of course, they're gonna, God told them to be fruitful and multiply. So they have a kid. They have a son named Cain. They named him Cain. So he's the firstborn. He's the first person that was ever born and not created directly by God. He, God used other means to, you know, have Cain come along. Procreation. Then, not too long after, we read in, in the book that Abel comes along. Now, Abel was the younger one. In Jewish culture, the older got all of the birthrights, got all of the, the rights of the family, right? They were the one that was looked on as, as good. But we're going to see something different in this story that, that happens. So it comes time for them to interact with God for the first time. Now, now mind you, Cain and Abel had never seen God. They had only heard about God through Adam and Eve. So they had the opportunity to become the very first people of faith because they had never seen God with their eyes. They had to believe what their parents were telling them was right, believe that what God had set up was right, and so they had to have faith that that was true. So Abel comes and Cain comes, and they bring sacrifices to God. Now Abel was a farmer, and so he was like a shepherd. He tended to sheep and Cain was a farmer who would, would till the ground and get, you know, you know, corn, whatever. I don't know what, what exactly they ate back then. What he, but they would till the ground and they would eat, you know, he would make food for himself from the ground. So the two sacrifices that they brought was Abel brought of the best of his, his flock. But Cain brought fruit and veggies and terrible things that I don't like to eat. All right. He brought all those things to God. Now, we don't know exactly, Genesis doesn't give a, lot, a big, long narrative about what, what exactly was happening, but all we know from Genesis is that God accepted Abel's sacrifice and disregarded Cain's. So he accepted Abel's and dis- disregarded Cain's. Now, if you think back to the passage we just read, it gives us a little more insight onto why God accepted Cain, Abel's sacrifice. And it's because he made it out of faith. Now, how does the author of Hebrews know that? It didn't, we don't even have any recorded words by Abel, like, I believe in you, God, or I have faith in you. We don't have any of those. So how do we know that Abel made this sacrifice by faith? Well, it's very easy. He obeyed what God had set up. And that is blood had to be shed for us to restore relationship with God. Do you see the motivation behind Abel's sacrifice? He believed what God was telling him, and he came to God on God's terms. Right? He didn't try to make up something. Now, make up something, some other way to get to God, like Cain did. Because Cain brought fruit. And that was not what God wanted. 
So we know he wasn't believing God or believing what, and so we do this all the time. We learn just enough about God to say we, I can come to you in the way that I want to come to you. And so a lot of times, listen, this is very important. Our motivation for coming to God is selfish. God, what can I get from you? What can you give me? Why do you think the most popular preachers in America are the prosperity preachers? Because we come to God saying, God, what can you give me? We don't come to God saying, God, I'm going to come on your terms. I'm going to come and give you what you want. We say, God, I'm coming to you, so you better give me something. Right? This is, what Cain, this is Cain's attitude. God, I'm going to come to you in any way that I can. I'm going to come to you in the way that I want. I'm going to come to you with the fruit instead of the, the, the sacrifice. We do this so often. And that's why the prosperity preachers, they're, they're tickling our ears. They're giving us what we want to hear because God... If you just do this, if you just come to church, if you just give me $100 right now, God will bless you with a brand new BMW or a brand new whatever you want. Listen, God is not a vending machine. He's not a vending machine. We can't just manipulate a couple buttons, put in the right coins, and select what we want from God. God doesn't work like that. God wants us to come to him on his terms. And his terms say, Blood has to be shed. So Cain, what does Cain do? He, his, his sacrifice is not accepted. What do we do when, we're, when we get offended or we maybe don't, or we get jealous of the person that actually was accepted, right? We start to think in our mind, well, I want what he wants, what he has. In fact, Cain probably even thought, because he was the firstborn, I deserve I deserve to be loved by God. I deserve to be accepted by God. Listen, if you're here today and you feel like in any way you deserve God's love, I'm sorry, it's not true. It's not true. God does love and God does give love freely, but if we say that we deserve God's love, what have I done to earn God's love? I try to come to him on my terms. I try to come to him on my terms do you think God's going to accept me if I try to come to him on my terms? No way. We have to come to God on his terms. And his terms include this faith. So what does Cain do? He becomes jealous. I want what he has. I want what, what, what Abel has. I want the blessing of God. I want, I want what God gave Abel. And we do this. We look at other people in our lives and we say, man, they're a better speaker than I am. They look better than I do. I want what they have. And we become jealous of people. So Cain becomes jealous, right? We all know what happens next if we, if we read the story. Cain, Cain becomes so jealous, this jealousy motivates him. Listen, this story is all about motivation. What motivated Cain? Cain was motivated by jealousy. Cain was motivated by envy of his brother. So he calls to Abel. Hey, Abel. Hey, let's go out in this field real quick. I got something to tell you. And he killed him. He murdered him in cold blood. The very first murder that ever happened, that was ever committed. And he was motivated by jealousy. So as I was thinking about this, you know, we often are motivated by jealousy and other things that we should not be motivated by. And as I was thinking about it, I 
don't know why, but Titanic came to mind. You guys all remember the 1997 classic movie, awesome movie, with Leo DiCaprio. And it took him, it took him forever to win an Oscar after that, by the way. But he should have won for that role because, I mean, he literally died in the freezing cold water. Anyway, uh, so this Titanic, you, you guys all remember the story of Titanic, Jack, this poor kid, you know, from, from the streets of New York or whatever, he comes and he gets on this boat, and he, he's go, or from the streets of, uh, of London, he's getting on this boat to go to the New World, right? He's going to the New World. And in this movie, the, the bad character is Rose's, whatever, fiancé, betrothed, I guess is what it is. Listen, you don't know his name either, so I'm not even going to say it. I didn't even look at it. I was like, I could Google this, but... What's the point? You don't know his, you're, never, you're not going to remember his name. It's not going to be pointless. And now I'm spending like 20 seconds on this. But anyway, um, so the bad guy in this whole movie is Rose's boyfriend, whatever he is. And Jack and Rose fall in love. We know the story. And if you haven't seen it by now, I'm, spoiler alert, okay? If you haven't seen it by now, you're not going to ever watch it, okay? So spoiler alert, Jack dies. But uh, Jack dies, why? Why does Jack die? Because he gets locked in, in the bottom by the jealous boyfriend who wanted what Jack had, what, wanted what Jack was, was getting in Rose. His motivation came from a place of jealousy. He wanted what, what Jack had. And we all know that Jack could have fit on the, on, the boat, on the board. That's all I'm saying. But see, we're motivated. We, we see this in, in movies all the time. These, all of the, the best movies... Somebody in the movies is motivated by something. A lot of times it's revenge. Like, I'm going to get revenge on somebody who wronged me. So that's my motivation for, for going and, and getting my daughter back from all these people that stole my daughter, you know, Liam Neeson. So we see this in, in movies. We see this in, in our own lives. There is something in us that motivates us to do what we're going to do. There's something in us that motivates us. And listen, most of the time, it's the wrong thing. With Cain, it was the wrong thing. He spilled innocent blood. He killed his brother in cold blood because he wanted what he had. He was motivated by this, this thing that he could see. He was motivated by the blessing of God. Like, I want the blessing of God. Now, you might say, well, that's a good thing. Not when it causes us to sin. That's the thing. So, so Abel was murdered in cold blood. Abel, why was Abel's sacrifice accepted? Abel came to God in the way that he was supposed to come to God, in the way that God had set up for him to come to God. He was motivated by this invisible reality. And so if we want to we stop here, we can stop with a good moral. Be like Abel, don't be like Cain, right? We can say you want to you be motivated by uh, good things, by godly things, and not by, by Cain, but see, that's not where the story ends. The story doesn't end with just Cain killing his brother. What happens next is God demands justice. He demands justice for the spilt blood. So God comes to Cain. Hey, Cain, where's your brother? Oh, I, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Do, am I supposed to be the one that, that's keeping up with him? And then God says something very interesting. He says, Cain, I know you're lying to me, basically, because I can hear the blood of Abel crying to me from the ground, crying for justice, crying for, for this, uh, this thing to be taken, 
care of, for this, this just, for you to get your just desserts. And Cain gets it. He gets cut off from God. He gets a mark that, that he has to carry with him the rest of his life. He has to move away from his family. He's ostracized from his family. He gets justice is served on God's behalf. So listen, here's, here's the thing that we can take away from this. Our motivations, whatever we're motivated by, jealousy, greed, ourself, whatever it is, that motivation separates us from God. And not just that, it demands justice on the part of God. Listen, I, I said earlier today that if we were to say that we deserve God's love, that's, that's a farce. It's not, a, it's not right for us to say that. Because God has set it up that we come to him in, our, in his way and not in our way. He demands blood sacrifice for sin. He demands blood sacrifice for us to come to him. And what do we do? We try to come to him in our own way. We are motivated by trying to do better. I want to just try to do better by God. I want to try to come to God by just doing the best I can. And that's not what God demands. In fact, those motivations demand justice from God, separation from God, death. That's what hell is. This is not popular. I know that. And it's not. For us to say that, that God, for me to say that God demands justice when it comes to his relationship with us, that's a hard, that's a hard truth. That's a hard truth. And so this morning as I was going over the, the points of my sermon with Megan, we were, we were talking through the points and I got to this point that our motivation by other things demands justice from God. And Megan goes, you can't stop right there. You can't stop right there. Everybody's going to look at you like, why? That's not, oh, now I just have to work really hard. Now I have no hope. I said, but that's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the passage. That's not the end of Hebrews 4. Why? Because Abel, what does it say in the last few verse, the last few words of, of Hebrews 4? Abel, though he's dead, he still speaks. He still speaks. So if, if you're still there in Hebrews 4, I want to just really quickly, I want to look at Hebrews 12. It should be just a page over for, for you. We're going to look at verse 18. And I'm going to read it. I want you to listen very closely to what's going on here in this passage. Abel still speaks. Justice is not the end. Let's listen. Verse 18, it says, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight of Moses that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Listen to this transition. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in the festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Now, if I, I stopped right there, we've, we've stopped with God's justice once more. 
But it goes on. Look at verse 23 with me. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than Abel. You see, the word that Abel's blood speaks to us is justice. It speaks justice to us. It says, God demands justice for spilled blood. God demands justice for sin. God demands justice for anything that we do that is not out of, in the will of God. But Jesus' blood, his sprinkled blood, speaks a better word to us. And that word is grace. And this morning, we need to be motivated not by our outward. We need to not be motivated by what we think we should do. We need to be motivated by this word, grace. Because grace is, is the motivation behind all of the things in our heart that we need. Jesus is speaking this better word to us. When we deserve justice, he gave us mercy. That's grace. And that's the better word that we need to hear this morning. That should be our motivation for when we, why we get up early in the morning and, and set up. That should be our motivation when we go out into the streets. It should be our motivation every, every day. Grace is the motivation. You see, this past week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, I can't remember. I've been tasked, you know, interns get a lot of the crappy jobs. So I've been tasked with redoing this, this, build, this uh, room down here. So we had this, this thing going on where I'm, so I'm not very good with like home improvement project, projects because I've never owned a house. So when it comes to like matching paint or doing stuff like that, I am clueless. I'm completely clueless. clueless. So Joey, Tuesday in our meeting, we meet every Tuesday, he goes, Andrew, I need you to get paint for this room. I need you to get paint. And it needs to be this color because that's the color that is approved for us to put down there. It, ha- it is very important that you get this color. Hold on, I don't, I don't think you got it. It's very important that you get this color. So I make like four trips to Home Depot, right? I got to get this right. I've got to get it right because Joey said I need to get it right. But guess what? I still got it wrong. It's a way darker blue, way deeper blue. So I know I've done something wrong. I know it's wrong. It's this, in this situation, I've wronged Joey. It's, it was an important thing, right? So I'm coming in on, on Thursday thinking, I'm going to have to pay for this. I've got, he's going to demand justice of me. He's going to demand that I pay for this. this I don't have that money. I, I'm a poor seminary student. What am I going to do? So I come in, and, and you know, we, we, we figure out it's the wrong color. And I'm expecting this justice, this, this just reaming by Joey. And that's not what I got. That's what I deserved. We all know that. I should have paid for that paint. I still feel like maybe even after this, he'll be like, you're going to pay for that paint. <laughs> but, but he said, you know what, Andrew? It's all grace, brother. It's all grace. You see, that's true grace. Should I have paid for that paint? Yeah. Should I have paid for, for my mistake? Of course I should have. We know that to be right, that payment should be made. But Joey was the perfect example of what Jesus is to us. In this moment, he gave grace. Listen, this morning, you may be thinking, I feel really alienated from God. And you might be because God is demanding justice on your behalf. But guess what? Jesus gives grace. 
You may think, I, I just need to work a little bit harder. I just need to be a little bit better. I need to be a bit, a bit better about my attendance, my tithing. Listen, God has given us grace. Let us be motivated by this grace that God has given us. Listen, I, I know that, you know, maybe I'm a, a bit of a southern preacher and and I feel so overwhelmed when I get this. And I feel like we should just all give a shout. Like, oh my gosh, this grace is so overwhelming. Listen, the grace of God. I, I can't even stand up here today without the grace of God in my life. Let us be motivated as Abel was motivated by the grace of God. To have a way to come to God. And that is Jesus. That's Jesus. He speaks a better word than Abel. We don't have to end with Abel. We can, we can look to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, chapter 12 says. He is the, the reason that we gather here. He's the reason. He should be our motivation for everything we do in our life. So Restoration Road, I want us to take away this truth. Be motivated by the grace of God. Be motivated by the grace of God in your life. What's your motivation? Is it to be rich? Is it to look good? Is it even good things like love and and your family? Or is it the grace of God? Let's pray.